Now, would you mind uh, taking your Bible, and if you're using the Bible in front of you, in the, in the seat in front of you, uh, we're tur- turning to James, the book of James, New Testament book on, and if you don't know where it is, on page 1436 in one of our Bibles. So you can turn there, and while you're turning, uh, I'm going to tell you what we're going to talk about, and the, the topic today is, is a subject that is in everybody's mouth. And uh, I want to tell you a fable to start off with. There is an ancient fable about a king who called in one of his most intelligent and trusted servants and charged him with the responsibility to go throughout the kingdom, find the most valuable and precious commodity in the whole land and bring it to him. And so the, the servant thought and searched and found what he was looking for. And he returned to the king with the most valuable and precious commodity in the whole land. And he had it on a silver platter. It was a tongue. That, O king, is the most valuable and precious commodity in the whole land. Later, the king summoned the same servant and charged him with another task, and that is to go throughout the kingdom and find the most vile and dangerous thing in the whole kingdom and bring it to me, he said. So the servant thought and searched and found what he was looking for. He returned to the king with the most vile and dangerous thing in the whole kingdom. It, too, was on a silver platter. And guess what it was? It was a tongue. James chapter 3, verses 9 to 12, says this. With it, our tongue, that is, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs, nor can salt water produce fresh? This morning's message is about the subject of our tongue, our words. And more importantly, it's about our heart, which is the spring from which our words come, and the root which produces the fruit of our lips. Now, I believe this topic is fitting following a baptism since each person has publicly professed their faith and fidelity in Christ. These believers are saying that they are serious about following Jesus and becoming more like him. And as we live our life for Christ, there is no more accurate measure of our maturity, the true condition of our heart, than what comes out of our mouths. James chapter 3 verse 2 says, For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect or mature man, able to bridle the whole body as well. So James is telling us that if we control our tongues, we will be able to control our body, meaning our actions, our life. I think Isaiah was right when he recorded a prophecy in chapter 6 and verse 5 when he said that he said after seeing the Lord, he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I'm disintegrating because my eyes have seen the king. And he says, and I live among a people. He says, I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. And I believe that what Isaiah wrote 2,700 years ago is as true now as it was then. Isaiah is saying, I've got a dirty mouth. 
And I live in a culture of dirty mouths. And God hears it all, and God sees it all, and he is angry about it all. The good news is that God can touch our mouths like he touched Isaiah's mouth and change our vocabulary by changing our hearts. And truly, our tongues then can be the most valuable and precious commodity in the whole land. Earlier in our book, in James, in chapter 1, verse 26, James wrote, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. It's not legit. It's bogus. These are strong words. We need to heed them. You see, our words are like x-rays that allow us to see into our heart. Jesus himself said, the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. James said the same thing when he compared our mouth to a fountain. The mouth of the fountain is only an opening. It has nothing to do with what comes out. What's in the fountain is what will come out of the opening. So life's circumstances and trials merely push the contents of our heart out of our mouth. Have you ever seen the inside of your heart? I have had, I have the dubious privilege of having seen the inside of my heart. I remember, I'll never forget this rush of warmth that went from head to toe when they administered some kind of shellfish based dye on the, in the heart cath lab two years ago. And then the, that dye, uh, spread around th- through my heart. And then they took x-ray pictures while I was still awake and I could look on this bank of screens above me and the doctor leaned over my belly and he goes, see, there's your heart down. I'll see there. Now there's that blockage. That's night. That's about 90%. This is 70. And I, there I was looking at my heart. Do you realize that your words do the same thing? Your words are an x-ray into your heart. They show, and it's just the pressure of some kind of circumstance. It's just some kind of trial or happening that just lets it loose. I have a question for you. Why is oil gushing from, gushing into the Gulf of Mexico? Don't answer it out loud. It is a trick question. I am trying to trick you, okay? Now, not really. Think about it. Why is oil gushing into the Gulf? Because it's under the Gulf. If it wasn't there, it wouldn't be gushing into the Gulf, right? And there was a situation that allowed it to come loose, but if that situation occurred and there was nothing under there, there wouldn't be any problem right now. You see, so our words merely are are just spewing out what's already in our heart. So we need, when we talk about dealing with our words, we really are talking about dealing with our heart's attitude toward God. And so I'm very thankful for words, not, not only because then I can preach, with words but i'm thankful that when we when we speak those words come out and then if we're willing to examine them we're able then to see the real condition of our heart and if we're honest with ourselves about our heart we can we can deal with our heart rather than running from the truth now uh 
we had quite a few testimonies this morning, and so I had some some things I wanted to share from Proverbs. But uh, you have you have to stay for the second service. Maybe I'll have more time then. So, but I, I want to just jump right into the book of James. By the way, Proverbs has a, at least a hundred and fifty verses about words and our mouth and our tongue. It's an incredible, rich treasury of understanding about our speech. And I encourage you to read it sometime and, and be blessed and be challenged, be convicted and be changed by what uh, Solomon teaches us in Proverbs about our words. But I want to jump right over to James here. And I want to I start with this idea from James chapter 3 and verses 1 to 6. And I'm going to read it to you. It says this. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such, we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also, though they are so great and are driven by uh, strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. And then he says in verse 8, No one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Our tongue has great power. Our words have great impact. And James is saying, as an example, I want you to uh, think about small things that do that have large impacts. For instance, he says, think about a bit. Now, a bit's only a very small piece of metal compared to the huge size of a horse. But you put that inside the horse's mouth, and a horse's mouth is ultra, ultra sensitive. In fact, so sensitive now that they've come out with bits or or bridles that that are not uh, so painful. But they put that in there so they can can move the horse. It's just a small little piece. Or think about a a ship, he says. Think about what's attached to that tiller, that pole. It's a little rudder. And think about the great winds that blow against the boat. Think about the great size of the ship. And he says, but... In spite of the great winds and in spite of, of, uh, of the size of the ship, it's directed by just a really small thing called a rudder. Think about a, a forest on fire that gets started by just a small spark. And think about a little poison, just a little poison and what it can do. You see, small things can have great influence. And he's saying, yes, you, your tongue compared to the rest of your body, it's a small thing, but... It can affect your entire life. It's small, but it does big things. It's like a spark. It starts a forest fire. Just a few words can can light up people. Suddenly you can have an out-of-control fire, an out-of-control conflict. Verse 6 says, our tongue is a world hostile to God. It stands in opposition to him. And it has the, the potential for you to commit personal spiritual arson. You can literally burn up your own life by what you say and how you say it. It's set on fire by hell, he says. It's fed by evil. And he says an uncontrolled tongue is is like a snake full of deadly poison. It doesn't take much poison to kill or maim. Now, 
you and I, we could spend the rest of the day, the rest of the week, telling stories about either how our tongue, how we were stupid and we said something stupid and it got us in deep trouble. Or you and I can tell stories about what people have said to us, how they have sinned against us, how we have been affected by their words against us. And I remember when I was working for a construction company while I was in high school. And my job with, two, with another guy was to clean newly constructed condominium units and get them ready for, to be spray painted, which meant all the dust had to be taken out. And so they gave us a big expensive vacuum cleaner. Well, I, I didn't think it was working right. And I went into to the boss the next day and I opened my mouth and I said, you know, that vacuum that you got, uh, got for us, that's a piece of junk. <clears throat> And um, the boss said, and that must have been, you know, a couple hundred hours, 500 hours. He said, well, fine, you'll use a $10 broom then. And, of course, my friends are with me, and now they have to use the same, you know, kind of cheap equipment. And, you know, I wish I could say, I, I, I wish I could say, that was, you know, I really, I really messed up there. But since then, I've just done everything right. How often, and we could tell, we all could tell the stories, how our tongue out of control <clears throat> has messed up our life. But I, I want you to see not, not just the power and the influence, the impact of the tongue, but I want you to, to see the heart of all this, and that's the pilot, the pilot of the tongue, and that, that's our heart. A concept is what we read about. Remember the horse? The horse has the bridle, but who's got control of the reins? There's a rider, right? So there's a rider controlling that. What about the ship? The ship is huge and there's a little rudder that moves the ship around. But who's got hold of the rudder? Who's got hold of, of the control? The captain, you see? So the concept there is that, that there's something or someone in control. That's the concept. And that is our heart is in control of our words. So the, that's the concept. The principle is this. Your desires will dictate the kinds of words that you use. That's why our words are an x-ray into our hearts because our words are merely telling what is in our hearts. So our, our desires will dictate, they, that's how it works, they dictate the kinds of words we use. The heart is the source, it's the controlling power of the tongue. Jesus said this in Luke 6.45, The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. There's an application here about things like anger management and, you know, like being better at communicating. You know, for, for all the good that some of those techniques may be able to do, you're really only changing a person's outward behavior if you don't get to the heart. To really change a person's words and speech and communication, you have to deal with the heart. It's not a matter of a few slick steps in anger management. God uses the word heart to convey to us that we are made up of both an outer man and an inner man. The heart refers to the inner man. Our outer man is our body, the material part of us. It's important to be sure. But our inner man is the immaterial part of us. It's the core of our being. 
And the Bible says that we can be outwardly wasting away with sickness or age or whatever, but we can be inwardly being renewed day by day inside. That's our heart. That's the core of our being. The heart is a broad term that includes our mind and our emotions, our will, our thoughts and our our decisions and our desires. You can argue with me, but I can tell you that the Bible makes no distinction between our mind and our heart. You know, we say things like, well, I have it in my mind, but it's not really in my heart. If you were to say that to a first century person who understood Jewish culture and and that kind of thing, they'd say, what do you mean by that? They would give you the RCA Victor dog look as, what do you mean? Because they didn't understand it that way. It was all, the inner man was just one. It was inside the heart. The heart was composed of the mind and, and the will and the emotions, everything. And our desires are boiling inside our heart. It's all wrapped up in the idea of the heart. So the question then is this really simple. What is in your heart? And the third chapter of James, beginning at verse 13, James tells us we have two choices. There are two things that can be uh, bubbling around in our heart. Two kinds of wisdom. One is wisdom that comes from below, earthly wisdom, and one is wisdom that comes from above. So look at verses 14, 15, and 16. James says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, notice the next phrase, in your heart. See, if that's what's the, if they are the controlling desires, if, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart and do, says, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. Don't pretend that you don't if you do. That's what he's saying. Verse 15. The wisdom is, this wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, and demonic. So this, this wisdom is, he calls it bitter jealousy, or you could say, Bad zeal, selfish zeal, zeal for the wrong thing, zeal for selfish interest, a demanding my way, grasping. That's bad zeal. And that can be the ruling passion in your heart. Selfish ambition is the next thing. Self-seeking attitudes that are bent on gaining an advantage and prestige for self or one's group. It was used in Aristotle's day. That word, selfish ambition, was used in Aristotle's day in the sense of a political pursuit of power by unjust means. It's seeking to be elevated. A street term would be somebody who wants their props meaning their proper recognition. It's the consequence of the fall, of sin of Adam, that we now have a competitiveness, there's a grasping and a desire to dominate. And James says that this wisdom, in verse 15, he uses three terms to describe that kind of wisdom. He says it is earthly, it is natural, and it is demonic. It is earthly. It's, it has a limited viewpoint. It has the viewpoint of the world. The world standard is what drives this kind of wisdom, where the highest goal is personal gain. He says it is natural. That means it's void of the spirit. It, has, it is without the touch of the spirit. We were reminded that today, on the calendar, the Christian calendar anyway, it is... It is um, 
Pentecost Sunday, 50 days from Easter, a celebration of the fact that the Holy Spirit was poured out by the Father, by, uh, from the Father to the Son. Jesus poured out the Spirit, and the Spirit came and, and, and now indwells us. The church uh, was birthed, and uh, we now have the Spirit of God. He doesn't, he, he, he's not just uh, working with God's people. Now he's in God's people. He indwells us. So it's celebration. But the wisdom that James says that is selfish and, and, and zealous for self is natural. It's void of any touch of the spirit. And he says it's demonic. And that's kind of scary, isn't it? You know, when you think about it, how many countries have been, have been turned? How, how many rulers have, have been able to turn a whole nation and, and a ruler able to get whatever he wants just by the kind of rhetoric he uses? What do you think is behind that kind of stuff where words can control whole, a whole generation? It's earthly, it's natural, and it's demonic. But that can also be you if what's controlling your heart is selfish ambition and bitter uh, zeal. But he says, you know, they can be a functional God for you. But there's another choice, and the other choice is wisdom from heaven. And he discusses that in verse 17. He says, but the wisdom from above, I, I give you another choice here. Okay, you got the wisdom from the world. Here's another choice. Here's what you could have in your heart. He says, the wisdom from above is first of all pure. Okay, it's holy. It's what we, we get the word holy from. Hagios is holy. Uh, it, it's uh, a pure motive. And that's what guides the rest of these qualities that follow. Because a person whose motive for living and whose motive in relationships is, is pure, that means their motive is the glory of God, not their own uh, props, their own proper recognition. Uh, it's peaceable. Uh, so they're a person who works for peace and harmony. It's gentle and reasonable and full of mercy and good fruits. It's unwavering. It's without hypocrisy. And he says, and the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace. The soil, the soil of peace by those who make peace. It's a wonderful thing to be able to garden. I just started again this year and uh, I put in three beds and just this morning, I went out with my scissors and I clipped my spinach for my spinach shake. Oh, please don't even talk about it. But uh, when you have a heart condition, you do anything you got to do to try to, you know, and, and what a one, what an awesome thing to go out there. I didn't have to go to the store. Ah, oh, yeah, it was just fresh. The, the, the wonderful produce that comes from the right kind of soil and tending it and all that. Ha ha. And he's saying, James is saying, if you want to be able to eat the right kind of fruit and be nourished yourself and to be nourishing others, then you need to have this kind of wisdom ruling and reigning in your heart. And you know what? It doesn't come naturally. You have to have it from above. And this is the hope that we have. I can't, I can't produce this. I can't whip it up. I can't discipline myself enough to get all those qualities in me. But I can, I can turn to an almighty God. I can, first of all, I can turn to the Savior if I'm not saved. If you don't know Jesus, first thing is you turn to the Savior and say, what characterizes my Interactions and the kind of wisdom I have is that first kind of wisdom. And it's earthly and it's natural and it has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. It has no real uh, heavenly wisdom. I don't want that anymore. I want the kind of wisdom that is pure. It's peaceable and gentle and it bears the right kind of fruit. Because I've eaten the other kind of fruit that my, my words have produced and I don't like it. If that's what you want, 
You need the new birth, first of all. If you don't know Christ, you need, new, you need the new birth. You need life from above. God coming down and, and giving his life to you. You need to become a new creation where the, where the old is past, the old way, the old habits, the old desires. Like, ask God to just remove that and then make you new, a new creation, new from the inside out. And then he says... Uh, you need a resurrection. You need to be taken from death to life, to being dead in sin, to being alive to God. And you can't do that. Only God can do that. But if you call on him, he'll do it. He'll give you a new nature. He'll unite you to Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. You will have a new self and a, and a new life and a new power and a new nature and a new desire or new desires and all that will come into you from God. And then you can, you develop that. You nurture it. You nourish it. You, you work with it. You see, you cooperate with God. Is that what you, do you have that? And, and if you don't, do you know that God will give that to you? You just, you just call upon him this morning. Ask for it. Trust, come to him and trust in him. And say, you know, Father, I, God, I don't, ha- I don't have this. I, I don't have this. Uh, and I want this kind of wisdom because I want my words to be right. I need Jesus. I need him to come into my life and save me, to forgive my sin and to take my past away, make me a new person. Because he died on the cross for my sins and he rose from the dead. You can call on him even, the, even this day and, and he will. He'll do all that. He, he, he is ready to give you that, this kind of wisdom. But if you're a believer here this morning and and you know that you've had the new birth and he's made you a new creation, and he's given you this new life and you are united to Christ and you know that you've gotten a new nature. And my, my challenge is this, as you, as you think about your words, as you think about your home, as you think about how you talk in your workplace, as you think about what comes out of your mouth, Evaluate it. If there's a way to kind of create a, a little picture with a, with a, uh, you know, a place for a caption where you can print out your words and you can look at them for a moment. What is it saying? What is it saying about your heart? Does it, does it say that there's a heart there that's been touched by the Spirit? Does it say that there's a heart there that is, that is living and growing in the soil of, of peace and the, the truth of Scripture? Or is it a heart that you've kind of been neglecting and you show more of the signs of worldly wisdom than heavenly wisdom? You know, it's true, the most valuable commodity, the most precious commodity in the kingdom, in the land, is a tongue. Because with it, we can bless people. We can nurture them. We can bless them. We can lift people out of, out of, of discouragement and difficulty and with just words, bring them out. And you can do that if you have a heart that's filled with heavenly wisdom. But if it's not, beloved, then I would say this. What God would say is repent and, and get it cleaned out. Ask God, renew the holiness that you've kind of neglected and then ask him to fill you with that wisdom. Amen. May, it, may our words be nourishing and pleasing. And may our tongues be the most valuable possession and commodity in all the land. Will you stand with me for a closing prayer? Father. Uh, we, we lift your name. You're the giver of every good and perfect gift, and you give wisdom. Give us wisdom, the kind of wisdom that we just read about. Fill our hearts with it, Lord. And then, Lord, use us to encourage and build up one another. For those who have yet to commit their life to Christ this morning, they heard the testimonies. And now, Father, we pray that 
that today would be the day that you open their heart and they they see that they don't have what you you can give and they want it open their lives lord so we commit it all to you we pray you do your work and thank you in in advance in jesus name amen